Hello and welcome to Everyday Turner number 118, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. If you want to support the running of the show directly, you can support us on patreon.com slash everydaychannel. Guys, I'm so sorry. This is the second time in like only a couple episodes where I massively overslept. And <laughs> here we are. I am i don't even know what to say. Tell us what you really think of the legacy format, Julian. Yeah, apparently it makes me like snooze off like like, like crazy, right? I, I guess the 10 to 12 hour workdays have something to, to do with it. But this Maybe is, a little bit, yeah. This is the most unprofessional thing I've ever done in legacy. Overslept, Luckily, like, we're not a professional podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, if, if, well, we aren't really, right? <laughs> Imagine if, they, if I told that to, to, to some of our clients, like, guys, by the way, we are not a professional hotel, so it's all fine. They're like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's okay. So the last hour and a half, I've just been goldfishing a, a stupid Belcher deck that kills on turn one and two. So I've been pleasantly uh, accompanied by some nonsense. And Matt, how how are you doing? Uh, so glad to have you back uh, for, for this recording. How's Canada? I it's good. Um, it is February and it is grey outside, like it always is, because that's how February is in Victoria. Um, and I spent the last hour and a bit waiting for you by shopping on MKM and doing some courses online. So I did nothing. What did you get on MKM? Well, I discovered that there's this this commander called Tuvasa the Sunlit, and I did not know this card existed, so now I'm building uh, a mm. commander deck um, with enchantments. I didn't know that either. That's cool. Yeah. So How, how come this card is not in our, in our show notes? Is it good? <laughs> well, because I literally just... I, I didn't even put it in the uh, in the thing. Here, I'll just link you into the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I bought some cards today. I got some Kappa Cannoneers, the, the big turtle warrior. Oh, dude, that card is so good. I even forgot to put it in the show notes, but... The thing is, like, I actually just had a dream about... I literally, like, when I just woke up, I was like, (laughs) I forgot to add the big bad turtle to our show notes. Hell yeah. We'll talk about it later. I, yeah, this card is bonkers. And yeah, I found some for pre-ordering for like three pounds each. So, so yeah, it seems pretty good to me. I'm actually going to... This is going to be interesting how this is going to turn out. But for Mm. for those tuning in um, right now, today we are going to go over, well, a couple of developments that have happened in uh, Legacy recently um, after the the monkey hit the the dust. Uh, There's there's some cards showing up that haven't really been played before and people are like going really crazy with their Doomsday lists, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... We'll do like... We'll also be going over some of the new spoilers as well, but not a dedicate an episode dedicated to it as well. We're going to be, yeah, as you said, talking about where Legacy is right now, some of the cool new tech and things, especially a kind of spirit wizard ghost thing that's taking the format a bit by storm. I don't know about, about storm, but it's a pretty cool card creeping into as a staple. Awesome. And in, in in the last part of the podcast, I think we're going to look at one of those crazy combo lists that a friend of the podcast, Jax from Italy, has been brewing up lately. And we're I loved answering you, I, a ton of your questions. I loved one of your statements about him. It was like, hey, the wizard is like, hey, this is a cool, interesting new removal spell. Jax is like, yep, combo time. Turn one, kill you with the removal spell. <laughs> <laughs> that, combo that, that's time, him, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Cool. So um, the the one card that uh, I already mentioned as, well, we're not sure whether that's going to take Legacy by Storm, but it's it's interesting in the sense that I think only last week, people in, in some of the legacy chats, right, they were like, hey, maybe this is going to be a thing. And that card is, what's it called? Malevolent Hermit. Malevolent uh, Hermit, yeah. 
And it flips into benevolent geist. <laughs> so I'm oh, on purpose. Malevolent into benevolent, benevolent. So now if you never knew the meaning of malevolent or benevolent, then now you know the difference. Yes. The front right. side is the bad side. I guess to some people it's just going to be like bullshit either way. <laughs> yeah. Hermit or geist. Yeah. You guys want to read out what it does? Yeah. So it's a two mana for one and a blue. So it's a blue card. Pitch to force of will. Good start. It's a two one. So, you know. It can attack, it's fine. And um, it's a human wizard. Actually quite relevant creature types. Um, I don't know about in the decks themselves, but like, you know, you mentioned Doomsday. You can cavern on wizard. It's pretty relevant with uh, mm-hmm. Thassa's Oracle being a Murphic wizard. And it has the ability for one blue, you sacrifice it. Counter target non-creature spell unless it's controller pays three. Like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. It's a thing you get on the board, it attacks, and it can like, you just need to have that one mana to leave up a kind of like non-creature mana I mean, leak. I mean, that um, would go with my wizard deck. Like, either way, if I was just playing Tribal Wizards, yeah, I'd be like, yeah. this would be fine as well. <laughs> and then where it gets really good is the Disturb cost. So Disturb is kind of like flashback for creatures, to put it simply. Um, you pay two and a blue, and you can cast it from its graveyard, but transformed. So the backside is a 2-2 flying, also good body, blocks Delver and stuff. And then non-creature spells you control can't be counted. That is incredibly powerful in Legacy. Like, super powerful. So it's... It's just at its best in combo decks, I think, to put it quite simply. Like, combo decks don't want their uh, spells countered because they're going to kill you with them. So, yeah, we're seeing it in Doomsday a lot now. Um, We're seeing it in Sneak and Show. I saw it in Sneak and Show a bit before. And this has been actually quite a staple in the um, Bomberman decks for, especially Kanakan's Bomberman decks for like a couple of months or Mm -hmm. since the set came out. It's, we're seeing the Japanese players again being quite ahead of the curve, honestly. So, I saw it popping up, but I just never really gave it the time of day i i didn't try it i didn't think about it very much and people are just waking up to it so it wasn't on my radar to be like a a format all-star but why it's good is just it's just very very hard to trade into or play into like you are paying two mana for the front side then three mana for the back side and then you're paying one mana for the activation cost on the front side but it's very hard to get like answer it with just a one for one because even if you point like a source of plowshares that would usually exile creatures you can uh, attempt to counter it and then you still get the backside and stuff so it's just it's just a it's so often a two for one with very very strong abilities tacked onto it that it's it's just fills such a good role for these combo decks and it's just i'm also thinking like why like just why why <laughs> like it, Matt, it's good we get you around because i think <laughs> a, a lot of people in legacy they recently just like they even like stopped asking why um it's just like oh yeah we're getting the, all of these really powerful cards it's it's just the way the world works but well it's like they 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 knew that they could but they didn't ask if they should hmm. <laughs> yeah i i wonder well, this really is a development that's here to stay because I played mostly Blue Red Diver this week, uh, ever since the ban, and that card was so annoying to play against, like so annoying, and I still haven't fully figured out how to deal with it because right now I felt happy when I got to Pyroblast it, but it's, at that it's still a two-for-one, right? Because you, you you still have to remove it, otherwise here their show and tell or, or whatever it's going to be is going to go through. Mm-hmm. So the... Of course, the ideal scenario is you let it stay on the board, and once they go for the combo, you have the extra three to pay um, for for or, or or like rather trade it um, yeah. for a forceful, and then they can't immediately flash it back because that spell is still on the stack. So kind maybe, of, yeah. it's just it's just very very annoying and hard to play against, right? 
And that's every part of it is just there and, and annoying and irrelevant. And, and the moment you aren't able to play around a little part of it or like, you know, it's getting a two for one. Great. Again, it, it is quite a lot of mana. Like you play it and then you could be dazed and you're fine with that. And then it's three mana. You could stifle the backside. So maybe that's a, a thing that can you make? I'm going to retract that. I don't think you can. It's not like uh, there's another yeah, you, thing. You, you it's can't. not like embalm is what I'm thinking of. Sorry. But um, yeah, it's just very hard to trade with. So that's why it's picking up. And I think it's especially good in the combo decks that either have fast mana or like have the tools to prolong a game like with removal. So we've mentioned Doomsday. So Doomsday does have Lotus Pedal and Dark Ritual as ways to like get some extra mana to either either to cast the backside of it from the graveyard or to make their combo easier to cast after you've spent the mana into Hermit or Geist. And so Doomsday has the Soul Lands and Lotus Petals as well. And both of these have access to their own Pyroblasts or Fiddle Push or Baleful Strix and Doomsday and stuff, what have you. So they are able to get the game into like a turn six area rather than like, you know, playing it turn two, getting it dazed and then kind of trying to go all in on a combo and not working. So I think it does just fit so perfectly in these mid-range based but combo finish decks in a way i mean but again it's blue like again what the fuck <laughs> yeah it's it's such a good thing <laughs> i mean it makes sense to be blue it's it's like a spirit of course, it's of a, course. It's it could be guys. white yeah. it could be white right it could be white could be i think the front side is very blue yeah of course the front side is blue but like yeah the front side is like fine but like, the front side is pretty good if yeah. it was just the front side still a solid card and then the back side mm -hmm. i'm just like uh... i do like that i think it's it's really a, like a combo role player because a lot of the power is when you cast from the graveyard and then it says non-creature spells you control can't be counted. This is not a thing that the blue control decks or Delver is going to pick up. Yeah. So I love that. I love its inclusion in the format. So I'm, I just think it's really, really neat that it's a tool that people are slowly discovering more and more and playing it. Yeah. I am, I'm, I'm basically like developing my, my ideas about how to play against it as we speak, because Every time I've played against it, I think I've played it. I played it wrong. I I try to like proactively like force or even pyroblast it. Uh, I, I mean, ideally, you also like later on trade it for for a removal spell like lightning bolt if it's still in your deck against combo, which very often it won't be. Um, game two and three. That I really think maybe the, the quote unquote correct gameplay dynamic is to not fight over the front side. You literally just let it sit there. And once they go for the combo, you treat it as a as a one mana mana leak that they have available. So it's really only a one for one. But the it's first a, it's, time it's a one mana fight... mana leak that you can't counter apart from stifle. It's yeah, but that's fine, yeah. right? If they if they defend their relevant spell against your counter spells, mm -hmm. then it's okay, right? In in the sense that if they have if they are defending their relevant spell with a flusterstorm. The Flusterstorm is still only ever gonna be a one for one, unless you have like some draw That's spells true. on That's the true. stack. So obviously, this gets dirty the second time they go for something because then they can first disturb it from the graveyard, and and at that point it, get, it becomes a two for one. But as long as they only have like a one, if uh, one big spell they are fighting over, and you hopefully get to kill them afterwards, which is like very much a Delver thing, right? Maybe the really correct gameplay dynamic out of Derva is to really not fight over the front side, uh, then fight the big fight, and then hopefully kill them before the, the flashback or disturb uh, becomes relevant. Yeah, that makes sense. 
again, you'll need to mix it up because they could play it like a second one, then it starts to get really dicey. Yeah, that's but... so annoying, right? Because in, in my head, <laughs> yeah. in my head, this is a legendary card, especially no. like the, the backside. In my head, this is very much a legendary card, like the, when it flips. But of course it isn't. But it actually would be like quite a lot more balanced. I mean, I'm not saying this is imbalanced at all. Mm -hmm. uh, it certainly would have been 10 years ago, but making it a, a legendary would have been... I want to say more interesting, but what I really only mean is like less annoying to play against. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I, I saw like, yeah, I saw a screenshot from Maxtortion and he was playing like a Doomsday, well, the kind of current Doomsday with Merc Tides and all the craziness we'll talk to in a second. And I think he had like two in play and his opponent had three or vice versa. And I was like, God, this is a, this is a crazy combo mirror with so many of these on each side. Why don't you tell us about the evolution of like where Doomsday decks have gone currently? Because we've mentioned that as like, the decks that's playing this the most alongside Bomb Man and Sneak and Show. Yeah, Doomsday has been the really crazy, especially over the last one or two weeks, I want to say. Um, there's there's a lot of technology. Uh, well, one of them being the Malevolent Volunt Hermit uh, creeping up. Uh, the other thing is that Doomsday is full on like a Merc type deck these days. I, I've seen so many lists. I literally can't tell you who actually popularized it. I think somebody won a Legacy Challenge with it. Yeah. And it was uh, a Japanese of course. player. I've forgotten the name, <laughs> but yeah. We're gonna definitely going to put them in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And the, the the list these days that I've seen, they straight up play four Merktide, and I even often see like four Malevolent Hermits and sometimes even four Baleful Strix, which is another card that definitely causes Nightmare to Diver, which usually is one of the, the harder matchups for Doomsday. I've seen Mac Max Dorshan has been playing some Delvers as well. Are you kidding me? Max is literally <laughs> playing Delver of Secret. Like four, like four Delver, four Merc No, he's, he's on like four two or three Delvers, three Dark Rituals, four Doomsdays, four Merc Tides, four Hermits, four Dude, Strix. It's so crazy. Like just because like Delvers, uh, <laughs> Doomsday is such a compact combo, right? You yeah, can, it you is. You could like put Doomsday into everything. Like we're, we're going to have bur Doomsday Burn or something. I don't know. <laughs> don't, don't start it. <laughs> is there a card that's like your opponent loses how much life you've lost this turn? <laughs> anyway carry oh. on <laughs> yeah 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 legacy is a bit mad like but yeah. but that, there's there's a certain theme to it and i think it's good like just because it's well. is, it's yeah. so so good and it's deck building wise it's not that hard to make it work right you you got your fetch lands you got your your cantrips and then you're already there it's a classic delve spell which just rewards you for doing things you wanted to do anyway Man, Matt, how do you feel about Merktide Regent? It's just, we, we take it for granted. Like, I don't even want to say we take it for granted that it's in the format because people still keep talking about it, but it's... it's I'm reading this card and again going, hold on a second. Wait. Wait, really? Really? <laughs> really? See, I'm st I'm still That's on the side that if I, re if I read it now in a spoiler, I would think it would be played a little bit. It's it, For me, it's hard to kind of visualize how strong and impactful it is but fool me once I with know. delve okay remember when we were all in <laughs> treasure cruise and we're all like oh well maybe yeah it's probably gonna be pretty good you know i've played that game mm. once before this uh yeah, I was, that's I, just like uh, a couple of things that whenever wizards uses them they everybody's like on red alert right there's there's death, yes. there's phyrexian mana there's mm. anything without paying its mana cost and that's also like why people were really scared i think the most recent spoilers we saw phyrexian mana coming back and thus far i haven't seen anything that's broken and interestingly wizards also chose to go down the path of designing cards that are um, basically themed the way that if you pay phyrexian mana they're gonna be weaker like planeswalkers who come into play with like fewer loyalty I think that's uh, interesting counters but mm. I think it's like such a new what's it called loyalty pointers loyalty, uh, loyalty marks, counters loyalty just counters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my gold rewards card for my planeswalker 
Yeah, you know? I thought I thought that was a very very well designed, and it doesn't look anything too good at all. It's almost like anti kicker. It's cool. Yeah, that's this, this 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 meme in Magic, right? Everything is kicker. I, I I haven't fully followed it yet, but I guess it's like a way to make fun no. That of, that's like, that's from the source. It's 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 that old. Yeah, I think yeah. It's, that old. it's um, it's from the German Storm player. He would just complain that everything is kicker. Just call something different. Beginning with an L. <laughs> um okay okay <laughs> he's the guy that the the liver of the storm was uh wrote written after oh peter peter rob yes yes good old peter yeah oh yeah, yeah matt knows him by right <laughs> <laughs> i've never met him so i don't want to oh man the it, first but... time i met peter by the way he... was was bizarre from Ox in paris 2013 where he, he was like just like building his elf stack and i was watching and I, I asked him a couple of questions about his deck list because he like he had very interesting, unique choices. And then I think he, he was like, Do you know who I am? And I'm like, actually no, who are you? And he's like, I'm the girl who's no I'm the guy who's known for playing elves. And I was like, Oh, that's you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh... But to be fair, I hadn't won <laughs> Basar of Moxen yet, so I actually literally wasn't known for playing elves. But it, it was just uh, like, to me, it was like, dude, I've never heard of you, but it's cool that you're known for playing elves. Mm, <laughs> let me just top the, that. The kicker in the liver of the storm guy. Cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Doomsday, going down this, this this really interesting deck building path, there's even more to it. Like the, the list that I have seen as well, I think Max Torch, uh, Max, uh, Max, what's his last name? Gilmore, Max Gilmore yeah. uh, uh, of the Min Max combo. He has also been putting forward playing Temporal Mastery in Doomsday. And for those who don't know, Miracles, they're coming back. It's a Miracle spell that lets you take an extra turn. And Kalim, can you, can you explain to us why that's actually um, such a genius inclusion in, in uh, Doomsday? Doomsday lets you stack your deck. I don't know if people realize, but you can just choose what cards you're going to draw for the next few turns. And hey, all of a sudden, there's like two Temporal Masteries on top of my library, or even three if you play three. And then you just take three turns in a row. The the idea was like thrown around in, in old Doomsday decks and stuff. I made like a a joke list and posted it in the Doomsday Discord like after Ethan was coming up with the Thassa's Oracle ideas. And I was like, you know what? Just put two, four temporal masteries and then Thassa's Oracle at the bottom. And then everyone's like, nah, you're just stupid. And th- I was completely saying it's a joke and I thought it was stupid as well because you can just put Street Wraith and stuff, right? But now that you actually have a different win condition with a clock with a Merktide, like we, we all know how, how fast Merktide kills. It kills you in two hits usually. So yeah, you just take an extra turn and they're, they're dead out of nowhere. So it didn't make sense at all in the in the past Doomsday decks because it wasn't trying to win some games with damage. It was always combo focused. But now you you have um, yeah these threats. Um, you also just have things that you can use mana on with these extra turns. So like you know, say you've got a malevolent hermit in your graveyard, and then you you uh, you draw a temporal mastery, or you've got your brainstorms and your ponders setting up as well. You've got personal tutor, right? Actually, maybe these ones don't play personal tutor. I'm sure they don't. But that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, you can have, you can use your mana for things and stuff. So it's just like this tool where you you win out of nowhere. Like you have a you have a um, a Mertide going, and then you cast a Doomsday. But you think your opponent, opponent might have this hate, like you know, a stifle for the Thassa's Oracle or a Dress Down or something. Well, no, you're just getting attacked by the dragon a couple of times, and that's it. So I yeah, I think this deck is super strong. People are going to hone in on the ways to build it, and it sounds like an absolute nightmare to play against. Like, there's just so many directions, and all the directions are using cards which are incredibly strong. It it just seems so good to me. So um, maybe I'll finally succumb to the Doomsday and start playing it as well. 
to me as well, right? I, I think every like second, every other or every third episode, we we talk about Doomsday. I'm like, yeah. Doomsday. let me phrase it this way: the best time to learn Doomsday was ten years ago. The second best time is now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how I keep feeling about Doomsday, and I I, I wonder um, whether that's actually gonna draw me in. Yeah, I I'm just personally a massive fan of playing like combo control or combo mid range decks. So this this version really really speaks to me. So definitely gonna start jamming it. Like. I like pure combo a lot, definitely, and Doomsday looks sweet. I just didn't have. I've been just been enjoying Painter so much to not like get super invested in another deck. But have you really been enjoying Painter, man? Like mm. every other other thing I see from you is that you're getting blown <laughs> out by <a> Meltdown. <laughs> I enjoy Painter. I don't enjoy Meltdown. Let's be clear here. You think the card is here to stay? Like everybody's been playing Meltdown. Everybody wants to post like these screenshots where Callum is getting wrecked by Meltdown. <laughs> I don't actually get wrecked by that much. Like I did beat I, I no one zero Sunday, Meltdown. Actually. We can talk about that. I I beat Meltdown there. They they showed me their hand at the end when I was like with my Goblin Welders on board. Like you can't touch me. But yeah, it's yeah Meltdown could definitely be banned. I would be pretty happy in the next ban announcements if they ban Meltide and Meltdown. It would yeah. be so random. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but going back to the yeah. temporary mastery for, for one last moment, um, the one thing that I find so amazing about it, and I know it's just like an accidental thing, but temporary mastery exiles itself. It's like, yeah, Wizards has learned. It's like, oh, whenever we do like extra turn spells and stuff, we, we they better exile themselves, right? It's just like too dangerous if we don't. And... Why is that relevant? That is relevant because one of the most common counterplanes against Doomsday is to use Endurance to make them reshuffle their graveyard. Mm. So the Oracle is either going to miss or it's going to take them like a couple more turns to to set it up in a way where, where their library is small enough. But since Temporal Mastery actually exiles itself, and if you have enough Temporal Masteries and and. Uh, there's ways that you can literally set up a Doomsday stack where you're untouchable to Endurance in, in a very short order, right? In, in you know short, what? I, I didn't realize that. That is so clever. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's why I actually asked you to, to, to promote the, this technology. I didn't even know. <laughs> Don't ask someone like me to die, deep dive on a new technology. I didn't realize that. That's so good. It just does loads of things, right? That's so clever. Oh, my God. I love it. I mean, the downside is it's, of course, not as flexible as something like a Street Wraith, right? Uh, yeah. The upside is it's blue and it doesn't cost you life. <laughs> hey, this is the deep, this is the deep <laughs> dive that we are here for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only thing that interests me more about this deck is the fact that there's creatures in it that attack. So, like, I'm more like, mm, this is something, but the rest of it, still garbage, not interested. Mm. So I've ju- I've just pulled up Max's like latest list that I mentioned with the Delvers just to see the numbers. So it's like 17 lands. He has a main deck cavern. So I think there's a lot of blue online, so it makes sense. But then he has, yeah, one Lotus Petal, three Delvers, three Dark Rituals. So really cut down on like the other fast mana. So it is going to a mid-range deck. And then four Strix, three Malevent Hermit, one Night's Whisper, one Thassa's Oracle, as you would. <laughs> four days, one Lily out of the Last Hope, which I've seen him... <laughs> Like, make a pile going, of Lily. Almost there. Minus two. Um, mill a Malevolent Hermit. I don't know. And bring something back. Bring a Street Wraith back and then cycle into things. And then you've got four Doomsday, four Force of Will, four Moat Tide, and two Temporal Mastery. You know, sometimes... <laughs> two Temporal Mastery. It's like, you, you literally... Sometimes you can't tell the difference between what I used to play at the kitchen table 20 years ago just because, like, oh, I have two Temporal Masteries. Let them throw it. Oh, one Night's Whisper. Yeah, card draw. Okay, let's do it. And and it actually carefully constructed Legacy deck this in 2022. <laughs> yeah. 23? I don't even remember. See, I'm very lucky that I actually had four of, from years ago thanks to me and Marcus playing loads of terrible brews and stuff. And 
I went to t- sell a load of cards at this event. And then as the weekend was going on, I was seeing all these cool, like, you know, Merktide Doomsday lists. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take these out of here. Let- let's keep them. Let's see, let's see how it's going. So <laughs> I'm ready just for, I don't have dragons. That's a bit of a problem. But yeah, I'm very ex- interested to see how this weekend's challenges go because actually I, this is the first weekend in a while where I'm busy. I'm not going to be able to play them, I think. Maybe one if I get around to it. But like, I actually really want to see if this deck does well in the challenges because I think it's amazing and I think it's already won one challenge and I think we're going to see people pick it up and we're going to see if it's real deal kind of thing. Yeah, and it's so annoying to play against, right? I... I tried to actually consciously put something into my sideboard against Doomsday, and you always end up with either like really weird cards, like that that land that you can use to mill your opponent for four, um, which yeah, we sometimes play in Elves. Yeah, but I Doomsday is so hard to actually literally tackle. Like the desk combo decks where you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna put this into my sideboard because this is good against that kind of combo deck. Uh, but Doomsday is more like, yeah, you can fight over the Doomsday. But the card that I've actually been thinking about a lot recently, and yeah, I mean, that's... I'm just going to say it is Avon Mind Sensor. <laughs> you and that Ooh. card. Oh my god, I thought you were going to say... Yeah, bringing out some old no, school. No, I, thought you, I like it. I thought you were going to say the, um, the the Cycling Stifle. That's a good card. Oh, that yeah, but it, it's not even that good against the new one, unless you, I guess... Yeah, yeah, if, if they go, like, go all in on the Oracle and they don't yeah. kill you with the Merktide first. I mean... Dude, I hate Merktide in that deck, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nothing's going to beat the combo and the fair side, right? Like, technically Pyroblast, but it's not going to happen. I can tell you one card that's good against it. Ghoul Caller's Bell. Oh, God, dude. Oh. <laughs> For those who haven't seen the screenshot, that, is that something you did at the at the event? Because I, yeah. I saw a screenshot of you... Uh, your opponent had just cast turn one personal tutor for Doomsday, and you mm-hmm. literally ran out Doomcaller spell and, and milled that top card. Yeah. And then I, I asked my opponent, they're lovely, a guy called Alex, who plays at our local. I had to say, can I take a picture? Because this is really funny. Um, I was playing Lantern. So Lantern has a lot of tools to beat it. And so he found another Doomsday and cast it. And I got to, like, I then chose not to activate the Ghoul Cause Bell because, in case he, I wanted to do something that he wasn't expecting to go into the pile he ends up then passing i had nerves of saga going off the next turn so i got to end of turn tap to mill us both untap get a codex shredder and then tap both to mill him down to zero cards <laughs> so hey these little artifacts that mill stuff uh yeah they work <laughs> i'm just like trying to think whether there's any counterplay for him like i guess he could have put like an emrakul in his stack and if you mill the emrakul then everything goes back yeah, he once <laughs> once the the artifacts like if I get enough of them in play, I don't think he can ever win with Oracle anyway. It has to be with he wasn't playing the Muktide version, but Doomsday in general. I think if you have like three of those things in, you'd have to like have Oracle as the top card and me not realize that, and then like draw it, play it with two cards left, and then you go from there. Yeah, I guess that's one upside for the Street Wraith rush, uh, version. Like, if he has a yeah. couple of Street Wraith, he can, like, force the card into his hand if yeah. he's got enough of them. But it's it's some very weird interactions where it's pure mind games where you where you put it and stuff. Um, if you have two, it's better. Again, if you have one in your, even your, in your hand when you cast the Doomsday, it's probably quite easy. But I don't know. It was, it was a fun little interaction I had to share. As a side note, you want to hear about my favorite mind game that I've ever seen played out live at a paper tournament? Yes, please. Go for it. I was at a bazaar of Moxen, and the guy was playing Painter versus Sneak and Shell. 
and the the painter guy had a known duplicant in his hand and for those who don't know it's to to not overcomplicate things it's basically an oblivion ring for creatures like it comes to play it removes a creature and then it becomes as big as the creature so he had a known duplicant in his hand so what does the sneak and show player do the sneak and show player plays sneak and show and since the information whether or not your opponent actually puts something in for show and tell is not known until show and tell resolves. They what they actually did was they sit down and they write on a piece of paper what they're gonna put in, and the option to not put in anything could also be written on it. So they mm-hmm. at the same time reveal their piece of paper, and for both of them it says nothing. So <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. Like the first show and tell resolves, they literally put in nothing. Oh, the next turn, the next show and tell gets put in the stack. They both write on it, reveal nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was That's waiting great. for you to be like, I'm the dumb See, thing to play. It's you funny. Know, the duplicate, of course. It's funny because I actually, when you told me that story, when that happened, I started doing that when I was playing, like I was playing Sneak and Show for a little bit. And I remember doing that. People were like, why are you writing anything down? Just call it. And I'm like, there is a reason. Yeah. yeah. This is, I, I literally don't remember how the game ended, but this is, this is just like something to be aware of because this is a, an interaction, especially when a card is known, right? That can actually happen. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. I think when playing Omni, I've done it a few times where I've like played, I've got a really great game where I played an Omni as like bait against a, a control deck. I was like, you know what, I just need to get this, like get some counters out of their hand. And they just didn't force it and put in a creature and I died to that creature. So <laughs> be careful. <laughs> what creature was, like, was it? I've, I can't remember. It was probably like a, a Snapcaster and it gave them like a brainstorm oh, or something. God. I can't really remember. It was maybe bigger, <laughs> but I definitely felt like, you know, what? I could have waited a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. cool so yeah i'm uh, i think um callum you said you you won't be able to play this weekend right i think so i feel like i've i think i might be able to play on sunday we'll see okay cool yeah, i'd like to uh i'm totally lost what to play but i might just default to blue red diver just because the deck like it, it just got hit by a ban for one of his best card but it's still one of the best decks in the format i think um bob uh bob wang actually ran the numbers and i think the decks that had the best win percentage recently were Death in Texas, Blue Red Diver, and Green White Depth. Yeah, Depth was the top. Uh, I think we we just keep seeing it, and we keep saying it. Like Green White Depth is super strong, underplayed, and just seems good against all the top decks. It's kind of funny, right? That's two of the three best decks in the format right now are non-blue. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I painter, like, it. <laughs> like Red Painter, Red Green Painter, and White Painter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I've... just like Matt. I know that you are very much a, a black player. And black really hasn't like a, a spot in the format right now. Like, what what is the best non combo deck that heavily utilizes black cards right now? There's like, mm. I would say the the four color with the bloom command mid range control deck. Is that really it? Because if that's your flag bearer, then I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, there's reanimate. Like it is, it is a combo color, right? Yeah, and that, that, that's what I always mean, right? Like when I say when I say that red and black are auxiliary uh, colors in, in legacy at least they, yeah. they 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 get tacked on to something they get splashed into something they don't carry their own weight and yeah. from a from I a agree. bigger design perspective i think that's something that wizards would need to fix and maybe they are actually addressing it in, in like more standard ish more recent formats right now that, that i'm not aware of in a way but it does seem very hard to fix it's it's like a long-standing internal thing and I don't know. I'm one of these people that thinks you don't need to have everything balanced if it's a healthy, fun thing to play. Like, 
for me, a great example is Andrea Mangucci's cube. He, he has way more blue cards than anything else because everyone <laughs> like, and he's just like, yeah, whatever. Like it's fun to play. It's fine. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Like the, the the thing when we talk about balance legacy the most, uh, I'm also like, I, I don't really need every color represented equally. I yeah. just want every kind of gameplay style represented rather equally. So absolutely that's more important. Agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. I guess, I guess ninjas is the most, the, the deck that's fair and uses black the most. It, you know what? In a way, ninjas almost feels like the nickfit of, of um, decks when it comes to spoilers, <laughs> because these days, much more than nickfit, I, I always see people being like, hey, maybe we can play this in ninjas. And I guess part of that is that we are getting a lot of ninjas uh, in yeah. the new upcoming set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, sh- should we actually jump into the spoilers for those? Yeah. For, I, I just love the name Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. It's like... It's the way they they name their mangas and on uh, animes, right? In in Japan, well, I guess it's better than like Kamigawa Returns again, <laughs> like everything <laughs> yes. returns. Yeah. So eh. I just wish they had like thrown a random number and they're like Kamigawa Neon Dynasty nine thousand. I keep reading Neon Destiny as well. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> cool. So yeah, we we got a couple of cards we want to talk about. Uh, some of them probably like not to spend too much time on, but there there's some that are somewhat relevant. And we tr- usually um, our our full on spoiler episodes have produced the least impressive numbers. So we, we we got the impression that people are not like super keen on that. So we're just like doing this as, as one segment um, today. Yeah, we've got we've got like. 12, 13 cards. Yeah. And we won't Wait, spend more? much time, but if you want... I, I added two at the end that I want to play in Painter. <laughs> Sorry. I'll okay. be quick on them. <laughs> yeah, that, there's a couple, I guess, that we can be really quick on. The first one yeah. that I want to be really quick on is Invoke the Ancients. It's a sorcery. Four green and a colorless. And it creates two, four, five green spirit creature tokens and for each of them, you get to choose which ability you want to put on. You can put on Vigilance, you can put on Reach, or you can put on Trample. I just put this in here because holy, holy fuck power creep. Like, we're paying five mana for eight power, and we get to put on, like, Vigilance, Reach, or Trample. That's pretty good. This is pretty good. It's it's a good standard card. I don't think this will ever see legacy play. No, it, it's definitely yeah. not going to see legacy play, but I think it might actually see legacy play. It, it would have seen legacy play if it was easy on the colors. It's, because yeah, creating it's two creatures, and they're like, the, 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 the size is like super relevant. It's, oh, man. Mm. Back in my day. Yeah, that, this is a very back in my day moment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, it doesn't even beat a spirit monger, so I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, this is a yeah, damn good card. Yeah. I like it. I, I like it. It's just, it's just like so, so insane to me that this is definitely not going to be a thing in Legacy, despite being mm. this good for five mana. To your credit, I saw Matt Vuk post that he thinks this has a bit of potential and then the conversation went to full green is too much but he was saying this is also just a very strong rate so yeah i i don't see it in legacy ever like the i mean a lot of decks just don't care about using two removal spells if you're spending five mana on something that's like tempo is still a premium in the format so yeah 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 i mean in in the end it's it's still worse than just like trying to get your euro online but it's also like so much easier to just like cast this like Basically, the the place that my mind popped to was like one of those four color control decks, and they usually have like one slot for something weird. Like I've seen them treat the angels uh, in the past. People played like Shark Typhoon and stuff. Uh, this is just like your your slot where you try to put something ideally that doesn't get pyroblasted and still presents problems mm. to the opponent. That, but um, that yeah. slot is almost entirely for DNT, basically, or the fair kind of 
uh, like Mother of Runes or like Maverick kind of base decks where you need to go over the top of something that grinds incredibly well on the board. So Shark Typhoon, they hard cast and then go over it or Entreat, again, you just like cast it for a lot. So this one wouldn't do it really. Yeah, this one Obviously, you just Burning Wish for this in Agrolom, and then you grab it, <laughs> and then you cast it. That's, that's... Yes, yeah, there we go. All right, we found we found the shell for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, should, should, should we move on to the next one? Cool. This card is actually incredible. So, Lion Sash, it's a white artifact creature enchantment cat. Costs two mana, one and a white, and it's a 1-1. One, one. And it has an activated ability for one white. Exile target card from a graveyard. If it's a permanent card, put a 1-1 one, one counter on Lion Sash. And then equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each 1-1 one, one counter on Lion Sash. And you can pay two mana to reconfigure it, which is essentially an equip cost. So the way these like equipment creatures work is there are a creature in play. And so when you activate the ability and grow it, it, it grows as well. And then you pay two mana to equip it to a creature. And then that creature is going to get the plus one, plus one for all the counters on it. This card is just like the most auto windmill slam staple for for the rest of time in D and T ever. Yep, it's, <laughs> that's what I thought. I, I saw this and I was like, "Ah, uh, this is yeah, good. this is this good. is so good." So it's exile any card from a graveyard. So you can exile anything. Like you know, it, it just gains the benefits if it was a permanent. So you exile a, a, a fetch land, then you're getting a plus one plus one counter on it. Um, but you can still you know interact with any kind of spell based combo as well. It's just like. It's slow. It's not going to be like good against the reanimator and stuff. But this can you can search for it with Stoneforge Mystic. You can search for it with the Recruiter of the Guard. You can violet it in. It's just a thing that grows on its own. It's just a pretty good card on its own. Uh, you always have these random like Recruiter of the Guards and Flicker Wisps and whatever lying around. So good thing to equip to. I it's just so so good in DNT. I think it could be played in like other fair stoneforge mystic decks um i still think it's worth like a it, slot in a stoneforge mystic deck because it's still a sco- yeah uh, like a searchable scoos essentially right so like i i, yeah, I still yeah. think this is good like does it replace gta or or batter skull or whatever people are, i don't yeah. know i don't know if it does I, but like as the I, I th- yeah go ahead sorry i think batter skull has is past its prime now honestly sure okay it's sad yeah, so everyone just plays college complete and i think they can play this in gta if they want three or gta could go as well yeah. yeah, the thing is, like Chitta, I I don't even remember Chitta doing all that much recently in Legacy. No, like over the last year or even two. Thing is, there's there's just not been many non DNT Stoneforge decks. Um, they pop up every now and then. Culture Complete is good. There has there have been some versions of the Ragavan as well, but I think this is this what really breaks this actually. So I'm, I'm talking myself into agreeing with Matt. That, like I think this can help uh, blue Stoneforge decks. This is just like a good card to search for. You don't need bodies on board. So you just play your Stoneforge Mystic and you've got your two for one. This is a card you're happy to have in your hand. If the Stoneforge Mystic dies or if it stays alive, it's anything. It's just fine to have. So yeah, I like it a lot. I don't know if we'll see it anywhere else. Like, do you think you'd play this in any other shells or any non-Stoneforge Mystic decks? Mm. Like the deactivation cost of a white, that's that that already like makes it a little bit harder to splash in other decks. Like I was immediately thinking, hey, maybe we can do it in elves, but I mean, yeah, the white activation cost kind of kills it, and we are already have like scavenging use for that kind of effect. Yeah, but true. um, that this this yeah, I, I I'm super impressed by the line. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder whether we are gonna get like a like a cute nickname for it, like scavenging lion. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm, the DNT gang have got something good. Yeah. 
nothing nothing coming to mind now we'll, we'll get to that too <laughs> it's just so funny to me to, to sit here right and and we've slowly been introduced to a lot of weird creature types like later on we're going to talk about like an equipment jellyfish this is <laughs> this is a, an equipment cat <laughs> oh, yeah man. i would never have imagined it but i wonder what the future holds for us <laughs> well, uh, equipment jellyfish apparently yeah, yeah. Uh, but before we get to that, there's another card that uh, people were somewhat excited for, and that is Reality Heist. And that card is uh, uh, an instant, five colorless and two blue, but it basically has affinity for artifacts, so you, you'll be able to cast it for cheaper. And what it does, it's it's kind of like the 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 dig through time effect. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You re may reveal two artifacts from them and put them into your hand. And the rest goes in the bottom of your library. I just love the flavor of it, right? It's like the, there's a guy in the artwork and he's like super, super dedicated. He's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to go on this heist. And then <laughs> in brackets, on myself. <laughs> I'm going to steal from my own library. Uh, they will never find out about it. <laughs> no, I'm stealing yeah, real life. Ah. Yeah. This card has been talked about, um, like a lot of the cards that we're going to talk about today, uh, as a pos possible inclusion for 8-cast. Do you see it making the cut there? Because obviously the effect is very powerful, but you're also going to be probably spending at least like an entire turn on, on casting this, right? Yeah, I, I'm not super into it. The thing with 8-cast is your payoffs aren't really artifacts. So you, your payoffs are like Emery, Sai, Khan, Urza Saga, basically. And then your interaction is the force of wills and stuff. And like, it finds chalice, but the artifacts are just like the backbone of the deck rather than actual threats or actual cards you want to find. So, like, I wouldn't even want to spend two mana to find two baubles or like a bauble and a chalice. And looking at the top seven and revealing two of a certain type of card is like astronomically worse than drawing two from Thought Monitor, basically. Because yeah, okay, you okay. can miss. I, I don't see this card. Really. Okay, it's crap. We're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, the thing is, it was hyped. I, I saw it. And I think you could build around it. Like, for me, the first thing was like, oh, this is really cool with Thought Sword. Like, like things that actually do something as a part of a combo and stuff. But yeah, I am pretty off it as well. Okay, okay. Let's move on to the next one. Um, That's another card that I'm not really seeing going into, into actual legacy. And that's no. Moon Circle Attacker. <clears throat> it's an... Enchantment creature, apparently, human ninja, a colorless and a blue 2-1. It has an Inchutsu for a blue, which is the only reason that we're talking about it in the first place. And then the way it works is whenever it deals combat damage to your player, you may draw a card. And except for the very first time it does it, basically the turn it came into play, you also have to loot then. You also have to discard a card. So it's it's plus one card advantage in the first connect, and later on it's just going to be a loot. Uh, I, I have a way of really explaining these cards in ways that make it really awkward to understand i guess but <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is like people were excited for this because it's just like a single blue ninjutsu and people were so it's like oh we're gonna play it in, in ninjas maybe right but it's probably not gonna be a thing that's super exciting um nah like gameplay dynamic wise like you would put this in for the second turn and still have something like a thought cease to cast uh on your second turn but I... you wouldn't pay a blue to draw a card and then it's not really connecting. And if you connect, it's looting. It's really bad for me. I yeah, like it's the the reason Eureka and Ingenious Infiltrator are good is because they say whenever a ninja deals this damage. So you have the the guy that can't be blocked, Infiltrator and stuff. Yeah, this okay. is just like I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't even 
yeah, pay the one blue to draw a card and like you get in once and it's a two one, dies to everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Very often. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. By the way, I think Matt had just uh, just had to leave us. Uh, he's going on a secret mission for the Canadian government. Uh, I'm just going to Stabbing assume. people. <laughs> uh, do we? Yeah, yeah. With <laughs> okay. a reality chip. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, the reality chip. <laughs> that, that card is... Is that card going to be a thing? I, actually, let, let, let's... Why don't you tell us it. about it? Go on. Yeah, I'm just going to read the, the, the creature, uh, the card type line. <clears throat> Legendary artifact creature, equipment jellyfish. I love it. <laughs> it's a really, I mean, really goofy, cool card. That's the um, reaction Wizards wants, wants out of you, right? When yeah. they print something like this. Yeah. Like, I'm not one of these people that's like, oh, this is a really funny creature type, especially. I think the card is just very interesting and cool. And the art, I love the art. It's very cool. I don't know. It's just a lot of things that aren't usually together on a card. And I like this reconfigure kind of mechanic. I think it's going to lead to some cool gameplay. And I don't know. I just think it's very cool. Yeah. Um, and for those who don't know, by the way, it's um, <laughs> well, the equipment jellyfish. <laughs> for a colorless and a blue, it's an 0-4. And you may look at the top card of your library at any time. That's that's just like the, the effect when it's in play. It's, it's basically, at that point, it's just like an artifact. But when you equip it to a creature, then you will also be able to cast the top spell of your library or play a land from the top of your library. So it's it's, it's basically future sight, right? That That's mm-hmm. what we call the ability. Yeah, I, I don't think it's very good, really. It's it's not... It's kind of expensive or awkward enough and for not enough payoff, I think. So, like, I, I don't want to make the Doomsday argument, but it does die to a lot of things. It's a legendary thing, so it can be Caracas. It's swords, Pyroblast. It's an artifact, so any artifact destruction... The reconfigure being an artifact, I assume it gets hit by like Oof and Null Rod. It costs two mana, so it will get swept up in meltdowns. Like the meta is just very, very hostile to this type of card at the moment. So puts me a bit down on it. And then like you need to pay three mana to put it onto one of your creatures, which is not too bad, fine. And then that creature has to survive the equip. And then I know it has to survive the procedure. Yeah, yeah, it has to survive the the um the surgery. And if you survive the surgery, then you get to like cast some spells and play some lands. If it was like a two three, like had a little bit of power, maybe to have a little bit of board presence. Not that jellyfish is a very deadly, I guess, but I don't know. I, th- I think it's yeah, really neat, really cool. I think we will see people mess around with it, and it does have some combo implications. Like I don't know, you could put loads of of the zero mana artifacts and stuff. Maybe people mess with it in the Acast deck because they don't have very many lands and a lot of the baubles, Lotus Petals, Mox Opals, stuff like that. It could be cool. I could be underestimating it. But right now, I don't quite see it. Like, yeah, as I said, being strong enough with it does to to be worth it. Is it just going to be one of those cards that we put in, into the list to discuss only mm-hmm. to basically say it's cool, but it's not going to see play? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but- we got another one of those, by the way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, we got Containment Construct. Yeah, two colorless, two one uh, artifact creature construct. Whenever you discard a card, you may exile the card from your graveyard. If you do, you may play this card. We've seen this effect before, and I think Anarchist. Uh, now it's just like much easier. Theorist. Oh yeah, that's the, yeah. that's the one. Anarch- <laughs> Close <laughs> enough. <laughs> hey man, you played it in a deck tech, uh, a, a deck donation. It was called the Round Earth Society. 
Oh my god, that was amazing. Yeah. That, that, that was wonderful. By the way, I just got another deck, um, uh, donation deck list that I'm going to run. That's also the same kind guy. of crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reason that we're talking about this is because when it came out, um, everybody was start, uh, everybody, quote unquote, immediately started brewing with, uh, what's the fixed blue survival again? Artifice's intuition. Yeah. And that, that one lets you discard artifacts to to search for artifacts. And obviously the, the immediate thing that you would be doing is Lions of Diamond, right? You you discard your Lions of Diamonds. You you get to replay them from the graveyard with con, uh, containment constructs. Provide a ton of mana. And then what do we actually do in the end? So yeah, Ethan Formicella, who's Monkeys Can't Cry, came up with the idea of with this in play and then Artifice's Intuition in play and then two blue mana, just on, based on timing things, you can... You can go and make infinite mana and then kill with like a walking blister. So the way it works is you have an artifact in your hand. You pay one in the blue to discard it. You go and get an LED. You then discard the LED, search for another one. And then you cast the first one. I'm going to get lost here. Basically, <laughs> you you cycle through four, LED, four LEDs and then you search for an elixir of immortality. And then you discard the elixir of immortality to go and get another random artifact. It doesn't matter what at the end. And then you you cast it again from from exile. And then you shuffle the four LEDs back into your library. And then you use the random artifact that you've got at the end to then search for another LED and start the chain again. So I'm already getting dizzy, man. <laughs> <laughs> you net. I, I haven't worked it out yet. It's, I think it's like five or six mana each time you do this. Um, you net the mana. And then eventually you'll you'll end up in the same position with like a random artifact and you go and get a walking blister and you cast it for infinite mana. So first of all, it was like, okay, this card is also just very good with LED. Like, so it turns LED into Black Lotus with the downside that you discard your hand, but you can use the mana to cast things that were in your hand essentially. And then with this combo thrown in, it's kind of gets interesting. So there was a lot of hype around it. I'm going to straight up say, I think it's pretty bad, honestly. The intuition, I was looking into more ways to use it as like a fair card to set up a combo and stuff. It's just really tough to like find enough things to make work. So the conditions on it is the thing has to be one mana or less to, to be able to search for it. So I don't know. And then like putting four LEDs in your deck is, yeah, LEDs are broken cards. You can try and build more around it. But then you're trying to build around intuition as well and have these low mana cost things. And uh, yeah, I was thinking like maybe Lantern is a shell for it. That's why I was playing it the other night and that story of the bell came from. And Intuition really sucked in that deck. It was so bad. So the thing is, it's just fragile as well. So the combo is weak to removal on this 2-1 construct. It's weak to like a collector roof. It's weak to a pyroblast on the Intuition at any time. It's weak to graveyard hate because you don't get the trigger from the construct to cast it again. It's basically weak to all hate. So you need to be like a silence or a Teferi kind of base deck to get the combo to go off. It's going to be hard to find a card that people play that's not going to be good against this kind of combo. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just everything's like a lightning bolt on the construct stops it as well. And then is a six mana investment over multiple cards granted? Like you can play one of them first and stuff, but then it's just like more places to interact and things. So yeah, I, I'm off that idea. I don't think that's going to be very good, but people will try this with LED and like potentially bomb man decks. Uh, like you can just turn one play this off an ancient tomb and then use LEDs to cast Khans or salvages or whatever and then go from there could be cool i see it more potential there it's also something cool with riddlesmith which is like a two mana two one whenever you cast an artifact spell you draw a card then discard a card there definitely could be other shells it's a powerful effect but we had this effect already with conspiracy theorists it does exactly the same thing except for construct is is not limited to once per like time you discard so with conspiracy theorists if you discard your whole hand to led you would only get to cast one of those cards but with construct you get to cast all of them but 
Yeah, I think this is going to be one of those where it got loads of hype and then it doesn't do yeah. too much, I think. I, I think also the, the, the incentive and the rewards ratio is, is kind of off, like you said, right? What, yeah. if you, what if you discard all of those cards and then like the construct gets killed and respawns? And then That's then... fine. Um, it's a state-based effect where there's a, a trigger made. So even if they... So if you play LED and sack it with a construct and play, you will be able to cast the card still, even if they bolt it, because there's no timing to respond. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. But in, in, like when when you're trying to go through that hole, I, I keep calling yeah. it survival just because it's like my blue yeah, survival, yeah, yeah. <laughs> survival thing. Then the, yeah, you, no, for, for that for the combo, it's just literally anything interacts. So yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. We'll Moving on to another blue card, and that's Tameshi Reality Architect. It's a legendary creature, Moonfork Wizard, two colors and a blue, two three. Whenever one or more non-creature permanents are returned to hand. It doesn't even say your hand. Draw a mm. card. This ability triggers only once each turn. Wait. Whenever one or more non-creature permanents are returned. So it happens, like, when your opponent dazes, you also draw a card? Yeah. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. That's, that's, that's you know cool. what? That's actually going to be something that people will, are going to be missing a lot. And when, Well, I, yeah. I say a lot. I, I don't think this card is actually going to make the cut. When you play against <laughs> Jeff Lynn and he, like, places Baron and bounces his own Strix, you're like, ha, I get value too. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this is actually really going to be missed a lot because yeah. this, is, this is such a unique wording. I think, yeah, I didn't think about days. I thought that there's not that many things that actually do it with, but yeah, days is pretty, pretty legit. Yeah. And the the, the reason we're actually talking about this is, is the second, I guess the first ability is somewhat relevant as well. Um, Maybe Miloko is going to come back into Legacy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, we're, we're going to have all the, the random value, but we're, we're, we're just like not going to have a bar to actually use it on. Um, The second ability is an activated ability, X and a white, Return a land you control to its owner's hand. Return target artifact or enchantment card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery. So the cool thing about this is this lets you bring back Ursa Saga, right? Mm-hmm. And Lanza Diamond. I, well, I, 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 <laughs> I'm I getting ahead of about that. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, go for it. Um, I don't think this is just good enough, uh, mm-hmm. just because it's... It, 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 once again, right, the... the, the, the cost to rewards ratio is somewhat off like three mana is quite the investment it's also legendary uh it's it doesn't survive bold yada yada but the the idea that you put yourself in a position where you constantly spam or sagas at your opponent is just like so appealing to me like i i want to see people suffer who who just like try to sit back and answer (laughs) everything you get and eventually they win with i don't even know like stroke of genius on you or something like 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 all these 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 quote-unquote elegant control decks i want them to suffer but yeah i mean <laughs> if, if there's one thing they're good at it's answering the creature yeah. i guess i absolutely adore this card as well it's i don't know it's just all cool stuff going on around with it so just the whole second ability everything involved there is just like god there's so many things you could do like just for example so it costs one white to return an led or a lotus bloom and then so essentially for every land you have in play to return you net two white mana it's kind of cool so I've been looking at ways to like get extra land drops. Uh, sadly, fast bond is banned, but maybe for good reason. Patron of the the moon lets you get lands in play. I think I don't know, <laughs> but there is some cool combo application. But I think you're right; it'll have the same problems as the construct, where the the three mana is like tough to have a combo card, which you then need to survive through a combo as well. Two three is not like a fantastic body. It's a legend, Caracas and stuff. So yeah, I think this could be used in some ways just with Urza Saga, as you say, as like a value card and stuff. But what a what a cool card. 
it's definitely a super cool card. I guess yeah. the 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 upside is you can also get to protect it with Caracas. That's true. But yeah, the, the, I, I I'm having a hard time. Like I I was almost like thinking maybe this could be like one of those. It's not even a mirror breaker, but in, in all of these 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 four color control thingies where you're like, oh, watch this. Now I'm gonna bounce mm-hmm. my well, what's it called, Mystic Sanctuary or something. Even though yeah. I can't barely see play anymore. Uh, it, it's it has like value written all over it, yeah. and somehow it's just not good enough. And part of it is because Uro exists. I want to say almost potentially, yeah. We do keep getting a lot of like cool and good blue legends. Like I do wonder if there's going to be a Mox Amber deck at some point with this kind of thing. Oh, people are already talking about Mox Amber. I, I don't remember why there, there was another legend, like a super cheap legend that I've seen recently, or maybe it's just like because of all these these um, legendary lands that come to play untapped now. That, that we also have, um, that people that keep bringing up Mox Amber. Again, the, like it's, the yeah. do- there's a one-mana dog. Is that legendary? Yeah. I mean, are, are we talking about about, about uh, Izamaru? No, there's a one-mana, one-one dog, and whenever another legendary permanent comes to play under your control, it gets a one-one counter. Oh, that one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, the, it's really cute, right? It sits on a throne yeah. and everything. Oh, it's man. Cute. Although you can't have that in Izamaru as your like, partner commanders. Uh, I think people are upset about that. <laughs> cool. So yeah. moving on, um, the next card is probably the one that has generated the most hype out of anything thus far. You know, yeah. I, I, I was going to ask you which one that's going to be, but even if, if if you wouldn't be seeing it here, right, you already knew which one's going to be. <laughs> yeah. I I don't think it's as good as everyone's hyped it up to be. Okay. Uh, um. <laughs> so so basically. Everyone's like, so I, my kind of gripe with these cards, these, this cycle is, I wish there was a little bit more of a cost for them. It's a legendary land. That is a cost. And it just taps for one kind of mana. So it's non-basic. These are real costs, but I wish they like, you know, pinged you for one life when they tap the stuff because the channel abilities are very strong. So I'm sounding like I'm saying the card is too strong, whatever it's, it's, it is really, really strong. It will see play, but. I'm seeing so many people saying like, oh my God, this with Ren and Six in Modern or like you can loam this back and stuff and I'm going to lose all my lands. Like, no. So what it does is Legendary Land, it taps for green and it has Channel, which is one green, discard it from your hand, destroy your target artifacts, enchantment on non-basic lands and opponent controls. That player may search the library for a land with a basic land type, puts it on, onto the battlefield, then shuffle. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. So... In like the lands-based decks, it'll cost two mana. If you have an Uru in play or something, it'll cost one. But the the important part is that play may search the library for a land card with a basic land type. So that can be plains or island or swamp. So they can get dual lands off this. It's not limited to just basics. So it's similar to Assassin's Trophy in that it was also very hyped. And the card was ended up being overhyped. And then everyone dunked on it. And then it ended up being much better than the dunking it got. So... I think this will be similar. It'll be overhyped. It'll go down, and then it'll be a good card. It'll be certainly played in the format. But I don't know. I think people are really underestimating how bad using mana, playing a spell essentially, and then giving your opponent a land out of the deal is. Now the plus side, you know, a lot of decks that play lands and have interaction spells with land cards want to destroy artifacts, enchantments, or non-basic lands. So the best example is like depths. Depths can Sylvan Scrying for this, and then they can kill an Artifact or Enchantment, which they care about some, or like a Caracas an opponent has, or a Wasteland, or whatever. The other thing is that, like, separates this from the kind of Assassin's Trophy comparison, is it is a land. That's an amazing upside to be able to just play it if you want, if you need mana. So, for me, this is going to be like 
a two of inlands, probably maybe a third in the sideboard. Depths will definitely play like one main, one sideboard. And I think the, the four color Uro piles that play Loams will probably play like one main, one sideboard. Um, I just, I don't know. And then look, you will see it used as a naturalize in sideboards of combo decks because it's a, a removal spell that can't be countered, which is, is a really powerful thing. But after that, I don't see it like mana locking people and stuff the way that people have seen like oh my god it's destroying my land and i can't counter it and things I yeah i i definitely yeah. agree with your that right it's yeah it it looks amazing just because of the the upsides that you mentioned it mm-hmm. comes into play untapped uh, yeah. it won't be able to be countered i also don't think that this is just gonna be like this random thing you have in your deck that you get to use to you know nuke some stuff uh just because the downside is very real yeah. I think this would even be problematic if it's if it just search for basic land. But the fact that you get to get tutors of of this really makes it more like a surgical precision tool that you have in your arsenal, like you mentioned, right? Like yes, it's a one off or two off that yeah. that you get to tutor up and then you know maybe hit that ensnaring bridge that the, uh, the opponent has been hiding behind just so your your merit large or something can get there. Like you you, you take out something that you really want to take out, and that's why it's in your in your arsenal. And if it's in your opening hand, it's not the end of the world. And I guess there's also some minor extra value. If you really need to like take out two things, you can live from the low mid back. But it's not like, oh, I play green. I'm going to definitely include this as a one-off. Like, this is a conscious extra tool in your backpack that you are going to have if you want that kind of effect in the first place because it's still like a non-basic land, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's Yeah. So you can't, like, yeah, it, it is non-basic. So you can't like run if if a delver deck is playing two islands which we've been seeing recently you're not going to use this from a loam deck to cut off all their lands they're going to have those and you would have found them for them if you're going after their jewels and stuff now it's still powerful to go after all their jewels if you think you can grind through every single one but that's quite a grind and is returning like channeling it a lot of times the other thing is like including a land like like this in your mana base i think this has to be treated as a spell essentially because you know, you're not going to include this. If you're having like a classic fetch jewel mana base, you'll realize that you often want like 10 fetches roughly, and then you want these six jewels, then it's how many basics, and it's like mana, mana slots become really, really, really important. And I don't know, if you ever watch like people like Anorag streaming the full color deck, like <laughs> that Mystic Sanctuary, even if it comes to play untapped, like just being a land that only produces one mana is such a cost. So yeah, we'll see it in the spell slots. And it is a good spell, it's just important yeah. to think of it like that. I think that. it's like Mystic Sanctuary, especially it's the card. Like for every time I see it being good, I see it five times like being really bad. I've, yeah, I've never yeah. been super excited for it. At least this just comes as a play untapped. But like, also yeah. imagine playing two of these and having two in your opener. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, there, there's a whole cycle of these cards. Uh, the the black, the red, and the the green one. Uh, the black, the red, and the, which color am I missing? The blue, 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 yeah. All of those are not very exciting. I think the blue one's decent. Okay, what, what, what does the blue one do? That doesn't like the blue bounce one something? bounces a permanent. It costs like four, but then it's again discounted. So I think it'll def. Well, I'm just gonna say quickly, it'll be like a one of in eight cast probably because you do play Psy, Emery, all this stuff, and just having a random bounce is good. I think okay, we'll, okay. We'll see one there for the same way you're about to tell us the white one will probably be played in DNT as a one of. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking the white one is definitely, uh, by definitely is, is, is pushing it, but I, I could very well see it being a thing in, in DNT. And so the white one is channel two colorless and a white, and it deals four damage to target attacking or blocking creature. So as an effect, especially like dealing four, that, that's, that's like good. really quite good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I could definitely see it being a thing. Like 
DNT never really like was scared of running some extra non-basic lands. Like sometimes we saw like even Mishra's Factory is a one-off in these uh in avoidance lists. This is this is annoying. It also it can't be countered, so it's like a like a guaranteed removal spell for something like a Dalva or like a Dragon Rage channel. Like mm-hmm. unfortunately not be not able to hit Merktide region most of the time. But yeah. These yeah. these effects are so unique in, in that they can't be countered. And I think from from when you sit down at a table and you try to run all the possible permutations of how this in the next turn is gonna potentially gonna go um the idea that your opponent might be able to have something that you almost can't interact with is something that people have to get used to first i think yeah i agree this is it's actually a very strong effect isn't it if dnt needs this i could some sometimes see two but i think one is fine yeah, I guess that now that we play eighty cards, like this is like people yeah. don't even mention like Yorian DNT, like the default assumptions it that they're playing that. Yorian, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> These days, like you, you literally have to actually label it like sixty card DNT if you want to be <laughs> specific about not having Yorian. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to a friend who hasn't played a ton of Legacy um, over the weekend, and then he was saying like, "Oh, what should I play for Legacy and stuff?" And I said, "Oh, well, DNT is very good. I, I knew he had some of the cards. You can get into it." And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, which one? I said, well, the Orion one is the best one. And he just, like, rolled his eyes. I can't believe people play Orion. He's like, oh, buddy, you've been out of it for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's so sad, right? Because mm-hmm. Marius Hausmann, he used to be one of the most successful DNT players in Europe for a while, at least on the MKM series. And he hates Yorian with a burning passion. Like, he hates <laughs> Yorian more than I do. And almost every week, like, the weekend is over. It's like, hey, Marius, it's Monday morning. Guess what won the Legacy Challenge? Guess what won, <laughs> or, like, top two the Legacy PTQ? Guess what won this big event in, in Italy? And he's like, I don't even want to know. Just, like, stop telling me I hate Yorian. It's so stupid. It's like, 80 card wild deck. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. I think it's cool that there's, like, a non-60 card deck and it's actually been good enough because people laughed at it at the beginning. And so kudos to the people that stuck with it. I think it's cool. But it is I, cool. I, I never, want, I never want to shuffle a Yorian deck, though. I've done it once. <laughs> cool. Um, and speaking of uh, white removal spells, there's two more. I think the very next one is the one that is not going to see play. That's no. March of Otherworldly Light. This is just in to make fun of me because I, I, I misread it at first. And I was like, oh my god, this is absolutely ridiculous. But no. I'm actually trying to, to 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 remember like in which way you misread it. So I'm, I'm gonna tr- gonna just like read out. This is another another cycle, and it's an instant X and a white exile target artifact creature or enchantment with mana mana value X or less. And if you want to make this cheaper, you can discard a white spell from your hand. It's gonna cost two less for each white spell you discard it this way. So I think the way people misread this is that if you want to hit a Delva, it's gonna be one mana, but it's I, actually yeah. gonna be two. I was conditioned by prismatic ending, nothing more. Like, I just thought it was like prismatic ending, but an instant. That could prismatic be a is just like cause... such an influential spell. Like, like yeah, prismatic yeah. ending really up the standard. Like, we see these effects, right? These are much of other body light effects. Like, you, uh, we, we were so used to this kind of stuff. Like, if you want the flexibility of X, so you might be able to remove more it's going to be less efficient if you want to remove a one drop. We, we are so conditioned into believing mm-hmm. that. But then Prismatic Any comes along. It's like, guys, by the way, you can remove anything and you don't have to pay extra mana. You literally just have to pay the, the mana cost of, of the thing. Of course, like with, with Prismatic Ending, you're capped at like a four or five or depending on how much money you have. Uh, but now this slot, because like just the nature of Legacy where permanents usually like end at like three or four mana. Because of that nature of Legacy, we we don't do anything other ever again 
And that's why people sometimes even bring up prismatic ending for a ban, which is probably like a whole other discussion. I don't think it's like right up there, but I can very much, very much relate to why people want to see it gone because it, mm-hmm. it, it's the Weidner Kettle. Like, remember when Weidner <laughs> Kettle was banned in modern because it was too oppressive to any other kind of aggressive strategy? I, I'm not even <laughs> sure. Like, I guess it, it has been unbanned for a long time now. Nobody's touching it. Yeah. Yeah. We can ban Delver as well then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So moving on. Um, here's the white removal spell that's actually interesting. It has amazing artwork. Removal and, spell, you say? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's rare. Is it actually the first removal spell that's also a combo enabler? Like this is this is basically a fixed version of pacifism or like a better version of I pacifism. I kill people with lightning bolt in Underworld Breach. Okay. Okay. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> very much so so the, the card that we're talking about is swift reconfiguration a colorless for a uh, uh, colorless a white for an enchantment aura it has flash enchanted creature is a vehicle enchanted permanent is a vehicle artifact with crew five and it loses all other card types so this is how do we kind of call it like uh swords to I, I think i call it like swords to optimus prime because you you get to turn <laughs> yeah. all of your opponents into cars and the cars can then transfer <laughs> back into creatures if they if they want i really want to see like this being played on a emrakul and then a grizzle brand gets into crew the emrakul <laughs> the grizzle brand and has like <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like the the the, the whole mechanic of, of vehicles and cars it's just like so flavorful to me it's like mm-hmm. okay mr Mercury, i'm gonna start right this is actually <laughs> like a, you, you know all these 80s and 90s tv series with like all those robots that people get into like like gundams and and i don't know uh power rangers and everything mm-hmm. the flavor is spot on i just love the idea of, of some a creature driving another creature mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by the way shout outs cars can't drive themselves anymore in legacy or in magic altogether there was a rules change yeah (laughs) really i didn't know that yeah wizards actually put that one out there they are saying that i I keep calling it cars just because it's such a vehicles that have been turned into creatures can't drive themselves anymore because previously there was this rare thing where if you crewed a vehicle it still retained the crew ability. So it could be crewed again, even though it already was crewed. And since the crewed vehicle is a creature now, it could technically drive itself. It could technically crew itself, which is like really only relevant if you have like, I don't know, something that triggers upon a thing being crewed, which I guess wasn't really a thing. But yeah, Wizards fixed that. I can't even call it a loophole, but yeah, cars can't drive themselves anymore. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. It was never a problem. I mean, yeah, it definitely makes sense. Like, everything about vehicles doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fine. Okay, yeah. (laughs) I I, I just like that. Like, we we still have, like, these these safety precautions in place. So if even if a vehicle crashes and dies, all the the, the creatures driving it survive. Yes, good. Cool. So how do we go from this weird removal spell into actually making the full-blown combo deck? Well, the, the trick is... The, the thing is no longer a creature, but it retains the abilities. Enter Devoted Druid. So anyone that plays a modern will be familiar with the Devoted Druid combo with Vizier of Remedies. So it's a two mana, zero two for one and a green. And it taps out a green mana. And you can pay. You can put a minus one, minus one counter on it um, to untap it. And the trick with this is so it keeps that ability. So it can still tap for mana. And you can put a minus one, minus one counter on it to untap it. But it's no longer a creature unless it's crude. So essentially, you can tap it, make a mana, and untap it infinite times. Um, it's also like very—you can't interact with it because it just makes it in response to 
a million removal spells is fine. So if you put Swift Recognition on Devoted Druid, you'll get infinite green mana. It's also bypasses, like, it's essentially got haste because I think that's how it works. So it's just, it's not a creature, so it's not affected by something. Oh, things. you're right, you're right. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. The, 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 so it's actually basically pretty good. Like, just like think of it like as a as an artifact, right? As, yeah. as a mana stone. Yeah, and yeah. You can untap it. For, this is this is almost like like um, power artifact on on monolith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's a three mana combo uh, with two cards. It's essentially a three card combo because you do need a payoff for the mana. So. Um, the way the the modern decks work, they either like have a walking blister, or they usually play Duskwatch Recruiter, so which is a two mana for two two one and a green, and you can pay two and a green to reveal the top three cards of your library and reveal any a creature card and you put it into your hand, and then you basically do this infinite times, so you draw all the creatures in your deck, and then you'll have a walking blister in there somewhere. So that's a cool approach, and the cool thing is Summoner's Pact can get both Devoted Druid and Duskwatch Recruiter, so it's a pretty nice thing to piece the combo together. Um, to find the swift recognition a little bit harder. So we actually have a list from Jax, who we shouted out earlier. Do you want to read out his preliminary deck list? Actually, yeah, yeah. Let, yeah. Let's actually uh, touch on that. So yeah. the, the thing that Jax has put together is uh, it's base... Is it base bond? Yeah. It, this Pretty is much. so Jax. It's just like, try and kill you as fast as possible. Yeah. <laughs> so this is this is a bond mana base, and it plays four Lotus Field... Uh, Lotus Field. <laughs> and it plays four Lotus Petal, four Summoner's Pact... Two copies of Enlightened Tutor, four Swift Re- Reconfiguration, of course, uh, four more uh, for Spirit Guide for Acceleration, four of the Devoted Druid. Then you play your 12 Cantrips. And for protection, you play four Silence and three Orms Chant. So this is almost as straightforward as it gets, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the one Dustless Recruiter. It's, it's cool because it actually doesn't need much mana. So this is what, like, one mana for the Silence and then two mana for the Druid, one mana for the Reconfiguration. It's pretty powerful. I think he, he cool. did put some thought on. I mean, of course he did. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but what I like is, I think I've I've seen him talk or other people suggest Pact of Negation. But actually, if you also are trying to play around removal spells, like Orm's Chance and Silences are smarter in the way that you don't have to one for one match the removal spells. Right? Mm-hmm. You can go out there. You can just like cast the Silence and. Their hand could be all removal spells. It doesn't matter. If you still have enough mana to get the Devoted Druid and the Swift, swift Reconfiguration, would we need a better word for that card. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, okay. So you you put yourself in a position where you, you really just can like very proactively spam out these, these silence effects. And your opponent is going to be put into a weird spot. The one card... That, like when I see this list, the very first card that comes to my mind is Once Upon a Time, just because it can find Devoted Druid. And if you're like if you're like in a combo turn and you don't have a way to kill, then maybe your Once Upon a Time is gonna find something. But the thing is, like you really only find Ballista or um, Duskwatch Recruiter, so yeah. maybe. I think I think that's fine. You have four summoners packed, four Druids themselves, and twelve cantrips. I think I think you're finding that okay. It's the re- it's the reconfigurations you want to try and find more. So the two enlightened tutors is, is just for that essentially. Yeah, we we just need something better. <laughs> I don't know. Like if, yeah. if people are going to be out there with their ghoul color spell and stuff, like <laughs> this is this is just like such a big liability. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. There's got yeah. I'm not a big fan of enlightened tutor, but I really like a lot of the other stuff he's done here. It looks really good, man. Yeah, yeah. He even has like blue. Like usually, like all these these random blues, <laughs> they don't have blue. But this one, yeah, yeah. I wonder if you you can like cut a few more things and just play Force of Will as well, just to keep yourself alive in the game until you combo. Like this is this mm-hmm. is I he he approaches combo similar to me. 
um, where I'll like try and find the best way to combo fast as possible, work, work out how the combo wants to work and stuff. And then you're getting your combo through against the fair things, but then you just don't really have the interaction for the other unfair stuff. Actually, this is interesting in the way that it still gets stopped by by Pithing Needle, right? Because the does, put up yeah. minus one, minus one count is an activated ability. It's not involved with the mana production. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Pithing like... Needle will stop it. But otherwise, like, it doesn't use the... You could also Pithing Needle Walking Blister, I guess. But, um, yeah, it the it, it's not affected by Graveyard Hate. It's, I don't know. I wonder if there's another creature that kills because it would be stopped by Oof or Nullarod. Yeah, the thing is, like, if you could find more creatures than, that actually kill while still doing something else, then you could actually start considering Once Upon a Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah, right now, it's just like the payoff is not... Like, Once Upon a Time for an Elf Spirit Guide is, uh, is the only other thing you can really find pre-combo, um, uh, except for, like, the combo piece itself. So, mm, yeah. there, there is something. It's probably strict, stri- um, strictly worse than some tier 1 strategies in Legacy right now, but it's... It's one of the more sane combo decks that Chex has produced. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really, I do see potential here. I was a bit unsure when I saw the combo first. I was like, you know, you're not sure. But I like his approach with the silences and stuff. The deck needs a better name, by the way. There's probably going to be some Taylor Swift name. Um, oh, yeah, totally, isn't, it? isn't there? Yeah. Like right now, it's Turbo Swift Drew. It's like, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, but we, we, we <laughs> I'll, I'll let out. Twitter get to work. <laughs> yeah, the, the, just like don't make it another one of those team whatever names. I, I'm just like so sick of them. Oh, or yeah. we can make it like a druid pile. Actually, you know what? This should be one of those serial combo names. Yes. Yeah, we'll find we'll find a good serial. Yeah, yeah. I'll, There's I'll probably some, gonna be some some weird like some Let's weird get an Italian, Italian serial. Italian nobody, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I've heard of. <laughs> I'm not even sure if like if they eat serious in, in, in Italy. Uh, <laughs> no, probably just fruit. Because they're smart. Yeah. Actually, I got. I got to ask my Italian colleague. Actually, we're going to ask Chex what what his favorite Italian breakfast is. So, if yep. you are Italian and you you are on Twitter, hit us up on at EternalMTG and let us know what <laughs> your favorite Italian breakfast consists of. And then tags Jax, <laughs> tell him he sucks, and say this is your deck name now. <laughs> <laughs> he might actually be down for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there's another card, and that card is actually fucking scaring to me. And the artwork is only part of that. <laughs> it's so weird. And this card is so good. Oh it's my god. Kappa Cannoneer. <laughs> no it's Kappa. An, yeah. It's an by the way, Kappas apparently are like the river ghosts or something. I think I read about that in, in like Japan. The, 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 don't, don't put me down on exactly river ghosts, but apparently that's what like a Kappa is. That's cool. It's an artifact creature, Turtle Warrior. Almost there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost there. Like, yeah, I, one day we're going to print a teenage creature type, which is probably going to be, like, super awkward, and then we'll, we'll have all the, the ch- changelings being um, teenage mutant oh, sh- ninja turtles. Before we get into the cards, should I ruin something for you? There is a, 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 a turtle ninja, but it's not a ninja turtle. It's a turtle ninja. Oh, that's you at one chop, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just the wrong way around. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, go, going into, into the Kappa canon here. Artifact creature, turtle warrior... Five colorless in a blue, four four. It has improvise, which I guess once again is it's not exactly affinity for artifacts. You can tap your artifacts to produce um to reduce the cost. It has ward four, which means it can't be touched by stuff your opponent has unless they pay an extra four. So if they wanna, I don't know, sort of plowshares it, that's five mana. If they if they wanna even like use activated abilities on it, that's an extra four mana. To, to, to be clear, that's a, you can target it, but then there's a trigger saying pay for more, or that's counted. 
Yeah, yeah, true, yeah. true. So that decay, if it costs less, would would get. Uh, you're right. You're, yeah. I guess if you if you have um, Alosaro Shepard also, right? Mm -hmm. Then you, you get to go around with like Assassin's Trophy, Malevolent Hermit, or the other side. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Cool. So why is this card scary? Like right now, we have a six mana four four turtle that's hard to interact with. You know, that's that's like I don't know, tenth edition limited level, but. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on Kappa Cannoneer. And now here it comes. And it can't be blocked this turn. Like, what the fuck? Like, this <laughs> last thing that makes it so fucking scary. Like, my yeah. entire... I've built a career out of, like, just blocking giant Tarmogoyfs, untapping and killing the opponent. This thing can't be blocked, like, most of the time. Like, the, the, to me, the first deck that comes to mind is 8-cast, but you're more like yeah. of an 8-cast expert than I am. But... Like, the way I see this thing playing out is, like, they run this one out, and then on the next turn, they're gonna, like, it's gonna grow insanely big, especially if you have Psy on the table, because it not only triggers, like, on artifacts being cast, but it actually triggers on artifacts coming into play. Which, so if you're, including itself as well, funnily enough. Oh, yeah, so it's actually yeah. like a 5-5, five five, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's another one of those things that's gonna <laughs> get missed a lot, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this is the artifact Merc died. I think this is gonna kill people in two attacks. It's bonkers. It's definitely going to be two attacks. Like, there's... Yeah. And it can't be blocked. Like, what? The, you, you you can't decay it. I guess nobody plays decay anymore, but mm. still, it's... This, but it's this, also five mana for a, a red blast or a source splashes. It's... Yeah, this is super, super, super pushed. Like, and then because it's six mana, like, you're not getting meltdowns with it. Um, like, it costs six mana, but the artifact decks are playing soul lands, and then you have these random baubles, so it's, it's going to cost two or three mana for this 10-10 that can't be blocked and has ward 4. I feel like it's it's almost worth just playing like four caverns in these kind of decks to make sure it resolves, because then once it resolves, it's so hard to interact with. This card is really, really stupidly pushed. Yeah. I I, I pre-ordered four today, because I'm just like, yeah, I like artifacts, so I'll definitely be playing this one. Like, we got a Merc Tide too. But yeah, I don't know. This card is just too good. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing. I don't know. Yeah, I think this is... It this is one of the best cards I've seen in a, lot, in a while. Well, you think this is going to get banned? Like, this is one of those cards that never gets banned, right? Just because it's too quirky, but... Yeah, I don't... I don't. F yeah, it, it sounds really stupid to say that. I don't know. I don't think so. It's a Turtle Warrior. But... You know, maybe this is going to be, like, one of those things that we're going to have, like, as a sound clip in episode 200. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, either way, maybe because it's not going to do anything or it's going to completely revolutionize Legacy. Yeah. But this, like... The, to, I'm to scared... Yeah. When I'm playing a deck that cannot counter this, because yeah. I'm sure as hell not going to remove this. Yeah. And then it's going to kill me in two swings. So I better have a game plan to, to like, kill your opponent before that happens. Yeah, I think you can, like, you're going you're gonna to see Delver players, like, try and interact with the lower-cost artifacts faster. Like, they're going to try and make it so that you don't get this out on turn two or something. I don't know. How do you even do that? <laughs> yeah, you... you I don't know, try and counter some of the artifacts that are in play. Is there something like whenever an artifact gets cast, counter it? That's probably like a six mana. You could counter it with like steel sabotage. <laughs> there we go. We re truly are becoming vintage now. <laughs> yeah, the vintage from 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, I, I see this coming down as like attacking for 10 on turn three unblockable. Yeah, the thing is, like, I can't even hate it just because the artwork is so cute. It is. And like for, for me, it's an artifact-based card, so I love it. I'm going to play the absolute crap out of it. Are we going to see this in paint? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, uh, from other no, no. I think this. I think this is just like a really good eight-cast card. 
Man, ACAS is so good. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, I, I'm rather speechless. Uh, just like seeing this card, like the the can't be count, uh, can't be blocked thing. That's just like pushing. Like can't be blocked and the, can't really be removed. The it's can't be insane. blocked is like the the how Murtad grows when things excellent leave yeah. the graveyard. It's just like why why did you do yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm just like trying to come to terms with that. I I will probably be like Kappa Canonius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is kappa kappa cavaliers format now yeah super flavorful card definitely yeah, yeah. Uh, and speaking of flavor there's two more cards i have literally no idea what they do but cool. you added it to our show notes so why don't you give us like an intro so i'll they're pretty fast they're i think they're cool tools for imperial painter which i want to put in so i'll be faster than me a twin shop sniper is a four mana two three artifact creature goblin archer uh, it has reach when it enters the battlefield there's two two damage to any target and it has channel for one a red discard twin shot sniper. It deals two damage to any target. So I'll definitely be playing one of these in Imperial Painter because you can recruiter for it. You can like engineer it into the graveyard because it's an artifact. And it's really cool with the welders because you can pay two to channel it, discard it, and then weld it in. So you deal two when you channel it, and then two when it comes into play. Um, four mana is a bit much to like cast it, but you totally can in the deck as well. And I think it's just like a cool little tech piece to have it. Cleanly kills. Um, collector roof which is a really big deal uh can't be counted because you're just channeling it you're discarding it so yeah anyone playing painter with uh, imperial recruiter still i would play one of these guys the other one is experimental synthesizer what a name this is another card that's good with goblin welders so it's one red artifact when it enters the battlefield excel the top card of your li- or leaves the battlefield sorry so it's like it will spring excel the top card of your library until the end of turn you may play that card and then three mana sacrifice it create a two two white samurai creature token with vigilance um yeah this is just like another play on Ica wellspring i think it's not it's definitely not quite as good because you can until the end of the turn you can play that card so you can weld it in and out and stuff that's pretty cool but you're often quite a reactive deck anyway so you have the you have pyroblasts and lightning bolts and stuff you want to draw to so i wanted to mention it i think you wouldn't play this though Ica wellspring but it's uh it's a nice little one to keep in mind. <laughs> cool, cool. But I mean, you know what's scary about the goblin? Like goblins are not exactly known for for their, I guess, dexterity. This this is a change in in paradigms almost. Like this is a paradigm shift in in regards to what goblins can do. Like mm-hmm. when's the last time you've seen a goblin like shoot two arrows at the same time without like blowing something up on your board or something? Yeah, how cool scary. is the art as well? Super, super cool. Cool. it's also like channel on a non-legendary i remember mm-hmm. when channel was introduced the whole idea behind it was that you you get to pl- get up some kind of payoff for playing extra copies of legendary cards so when you have them in your hand you still get to do something with it now we see channel on a um on this so it's more like yeah they're going out there they're experimenting I- i'm trying to 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 come up with a com- i guess kicker <laughs> because... maybe, maybe what they mean is all goblins are legends in a way, Must I guess, be. yeah. <laughs> I also just have to, I want to read the flavor text. It's so good. Pierce the heart and pierce the head. Even the mightiest fall down dead. We're going to shoot some Ooh. nice targets. Very cool. Oh, I love this card. I'm not you literally got to say this when you shoot down timer. <laughs> yes. God, yes. To any target, even. You, you can even, like, hit players. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I can see this, like, being welded out a few times and you just, like, deal six to eight damage to them and attack them with a construct and stuff. It's how you win a lot of games. I just can't believe that this is a goblin. This is This is... This is too good for a goblin. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So I guess with that, we are going to move on to a couple of questions that you submitted on the official Everyday Eternal Discard. And not that there's like an unofficial one. Maybe there is, right? Maybe there's like an underground <laughs> one where people pretend to be you and me. Julie, you're not meant to know about that. It's just me and the rest of them. 
<laughs> and I'm not part of it. I'm so sorry. Oh, man. Anyway. So the first question coming to us is from Pete then. Will Stoneforge Mystic see use as more of a value toolbox in Legacy? And if so, in which deck? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat confused because like, I, I guess he means now, right? Because in the past, yeah. Stoneforge Mystic always was more than just like a value toolbox. I think it, it was like I an aggressive he, threat. I think he means with the uh, the cat thing, the equipment. Yeah, so so basically now that it might actually be coming back, Lion Sash. That's it. Uh, I've I've seen like Cheskai decks that that started popping up again, and I don't completely hate them because usually, like if, when you play Cheskai, you you're decent against anything that plays Merktide. But yeah, de- decent is always the, the the weird thing in Legacy. Like decent is usually not good enough, and I also don't think that Cheskai is going to be good enough just because it's like it, it, it occupies this weird spot spot between blue red Dalva and like full blown four four color control. But in uh, in a deck like that, like if you're okay not playing the best deck in the format, I think like a Cheskai Stoneblade deck could be more of a thing now. Uh, but that's mostly just because of Caldra Complete. Yeah, yeah, I think the the, the new ones are going to be Caldra Complete and Lion Sash, and yeah, go from there. I think I think so far gets a boost, but I don't think it'll be that much better to be played much more, but a bit more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The problem with Stoneforge just is like. When people played it previously, it it was like this aggressive threat that also like gained you life, or it was like this super high flexible card in Chitter. But it's sluggish. It has always been sluggish, and with the way Legacy works these days, it's you can't really afford to be sluggish. Um, not even like with regards to to attacking or or tempo in that regard, but with your game and board development and your your card advantage engines and everything. everything. And that's why Stoneforge Mystic is always still on the verge of being playable. And that's why Kyder Complete was just like such a big thing because the the haste really makes the card work. Mm-hmm. I agree, yeah. Cool. So we have another question coming to us from Starfox444. I like the popular Twitter question. What's the most underplayed card in Legacy? Did you guys... Did you, did, did I saw you have it. something that came to your mind? Because... I had a hard time thinking about anything, but I I got one card. I've and got... now you're totally going to steal it, right? <laughs> okay, I've got... No, I don't think I will. I had one card at the top, um, which is really not very exciting. I think Preordain's quite underplayed. Okay, and which kind of deck? I don't know, combo. I think combo decks should probably play <laughs> all of them. Is this how I take? Preordain is underplayed in combo decks? <laughs> <laughs> it is, like, not all of them play four. But maybe Delver as well. Delver should play one or two. Um, I don't know. I just I am on the cantrip. So like the the better cards get, the more cards are pushed, and like the more new cards are stronger, the better cantrips get. So I don't know. Hmm. There's got to be some more interesting ones. Like okay, other one is Mox Opal. I think Mox Opal is so 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 powerful. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. have we have eight baubles. We have some really strong support cards around it. We are starting to see eight cast is the first like artifact based deck that's really really consistently putting up results and it has a big target on its head and it's still doing pretty well so i think mox opal is like very much legacy power level to be very good in some shells it does require a lot of deck building around it but man just having like taps for any color and stays there every turn not like loads pedals good enough already yeah if you can make mox opal work that's one of my votes yeah, I, I guess in, in a way that's like more of a vote for a deck that's underplayed, right? As opposed mm, to yeah, even though I I get the idea, right? It's just because we have so many, it, yeah. I just keep going back to how it feels like we're really like mutating into what vintage used to be ten years ago. Maybe, like, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, my card was Stifle. Um, mm. Just because I, I feel like I want to punish all of those greedy four color decks <laughs> even more. The problem with Stifle though is that you can really only make Stifle work if your clock also mentions uh, matches it. Like people usually say, "Yo, yeah, Stifle goes together with Wasteland and Days." That's true. But you also gotta fit, like, the, the holy trinity of making Stifle workers, well, Stifle, <laughs> uh, mana denial, extra mana denial, and a reasonably quick clock, because otherwise the tempo that you generate by, by stifling something is not gonna pay off in time before they recover and, and you know, get rid of your stuff and, and pre- uh, establish some virtual card advantage or what, what have you. But I I could see it being a thing. Like, Stifle is pretty good against all these, these um, uh, well, I guess even Elfish Reclaimer decks as a whole, not only green-white depth. Like, if you if you activate Elfish Reclaimer and Elves and your activation gets Stifled, you are so far behind. Like, literally, if you play turn one and mm-hmm. then turn two, you go for it and they Stifle the activation. Holy shit, are you in a bad spot. That is pretty brutal. Yeah, I, I think it's a good point. I like it. Um, there is just more abilities being activated in legacy than in the past right so i'm just like rattling off things obviously good against that historical from doomsday um i can see it coming up against eight cast like there's loads of activations going on all over the place you'd even like even just training it for a card with a bauble or whatever is kind of cool um as you said reclaimer massive massive thing uh, i could see it like an allosaurus shepherd for tempo like the six mana activation stuff yeah i like it and if it's not on people's radar it's also now a counter to the channel cards as well with them upcoming yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that, that's so many random things. Um, like trying to hit animate. Like you can stifle animate that. Uh, you you can technically stifle a like grizzle brand activation, which sometimes is just like good enough. I I just wonder whether the the traditional aspect of it, which is like you know denying the land drop, is gonna be good enough. It probably is, but the the downside, of course, is always like you especially in the early game, you put yourself in situations where you, you, you have to make the call whether to, like, ho- quote-unquote hold Stifle open or or commit to the board. And I think Legacy these days very much rewards you for committing to the board instead because mm-hmm. you, it's just, like, such a bad spot if you go, turn, like, turn one land pass, even though you could have played, like, Dragon Ridge Channeler and then your opponent just, you know, plays, I don't know, land ponder or even just, like, fetch land go. It's... Uh, but even if they go fetch land go right you, you that, then you actually have that information that eventually you will be able to connect your stifle so then you you can justify keeping the mana open so yeah i it's just like my gut feeling that i would love to see a diver deck with stifle you know what maybe i'm actually gonna put stifle in my, in my blue red diver deck and play it after the recording yeah try it definitely i i think i think it is more of a tool than ever so yeah cool let's go with that Hey, quick editor's note. I played Blue Red Stifle Diver in the last two leagues while editing this. It was good. I went 4 and 1 twice. It kind of pretty much performed as expected. I stifled a ton of Fetchlands. I stifled a ton of Stoneforge Mystics. Some uh, Urza Sagas. I, I even get to steal a win against Storm using uh, Stifle on the Storm Trigger of Genders of Agony. Against Stoneforge specifically, it was kind of cool when I was positioned where I was pretty sure they would Kaldra complete. I actually let the ability resolve and then stifled the living weapon trigger because that would mean they would need to spend 7 mana on re-equipping it. So they ended up spending 2 more mana than usual like when you when, when you just hit the triggered ability of Stoneforge. So overall, I'm gonna continue playing Stifle in the list, but I'm not in a position where I'm like 100% sure this is the way to go. But it certainly felt good having a stifle open, uh, even against a lot of random combo decks, right? Just getting to hit uh, the animate dead trigger or something, 
I, I'm pretty happy about the inclusion right now. So let's see how this goes. Next question coming to us from brand new legacy trophy leader, Neville Shoot. At least last time I checked, the, the leaks were just reset and he was the very first one to get the five and all. Sick. Uh, stop the count. Stop the count. <laughs> That's how it works, right? Yeah. Now that both Doomsday and Delva are playing for Merktide Regent, is this card clearly the next in line for the Banhammer? And we, we literally, we have seven reactions to it on the Discord and all of them <laughs> reacted with all hands. I added an eighth after you screenshotted it, I think. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I'm going to go with a quick easy yes. I think it's going to get banned. Yeah, same same for me, right? Um, the moment Merktide was banned, everybody was like, okay, this this big dragon's next in line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. Cool. I think even before Doomsday started picking it up, like I was thinking, hoping, and now like everyone's just realizing you just put it in every deck and it's good in every deck. And I already think the play patterns are really, really obnoxious and too good. So, yeah. Uh, I'd be happy to see it go. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, there's a question coming to us from Dukes. Dukes on Twitch, probably my favorite Australian legacy. Well, is he a streamer right now? I think he he like I mostly yeah, watch his. Yeah. his yeah, I, I know, but uh, these days I, I mostly watch his like all this hiking and traveling stuff he posts on Instagram. Cool. <laughs> so to me, he's he's more like a travel vlogger. <laughs> fair first. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so he's asking about whether um. Gadok Teak is actually outdated uh, or whether it still has a place in 2022 Legacy, uh, especially with regards to Maverick. Uh, from my side, I think Teak has been outdated for a couple of years now. Um, whenever I played Maverick in the last couple of years, I rarely ever included it. Um, the main reason being that Terminus isn't a thing anymore, right? We, we don't really get to do the thing where we have like Teak and Mother of Ruins and then we flash and script range up and they have to, like the second removal spell <laughs> to, to really blow them out. I, I, there's really not much that Teak is stopping that. Also, Tenders of Agony so... became Doomsday. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Doomsday is another big thing. Like, they, they don't get to hardcast their, their sneak in shows because that's not really so much of a thing anymore. And yeah, I, I think if you, if you have that spot where you wanna, if you wanna send it for a hate bear, it might very well be, um, uh, Collector Oof. Yeah. I agree. I mean, there's, there's some synergy with like uh, Maverick having having Stoneforge and you want to get Chitter, but most of the time you get Kaldra complete anyway. And against the decks where you want Collector Oof, Chitter is usually not that important anyway. Uh, I yeah, I think the Collect God of Teak and, and for quite a while actually has been completely taken over by either Collector Oof or not playing any kind of headbutt that you can send for. Yeah, I agree. I haven't seen Teak in a long time. There was a joke that uh, Kai asked how will how will I as painter make Doomsday players cry because they'll just take all the extra turns? And so well, I'm going to play Galactic <laughs> to stop your temporal masteries. <laughs> oh man, can, can you imagine like if, if Teague actually stopped big creatures? Dude, that would be so sick. Imagine if, if Teague actually stopped creatures as well with like a very high mana cost, then we could literally stop Merktide region with it. And nobody would even like be be annoyed by that. God, there's nothing Delva could do to stop a 2-2, is there? God, yeah. Stop all the problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but then you 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 actually get into the, into that kind mm. of like I don't know Mother of Runes thingy and yeah. Uh, well, they would yeah. just play like uh, Nature's Ruin. They would do something like that. Yeah, that, yeah. that that's the thing about Maverick, right? I've, <laughs> yeah, I've I've been Nature's Ruined and and perished and everything. Like my second tournament <laughs> oh, record, perish, I, I ever wrote a cheapy, I get completely good. Nah, yeah. oh, that, let's not get to that. God, I love Perish. What a great card. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are a few cards that have me caused as much pain as Perish. Uh, yeah, Perish is to you as Meltdown is to me. Yeah. Final question coming from Matty Man from, I believe, Finland. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> 
we're not gonna dox you <laughs> it's like he lives in this house on that street with these people <laughs> the melty street uh, <laughs> that's that how it works in finland Every, mm-hmm. everything is named after people who live there cool. should we dust off pithing needles now that we might see new uncounterable quote-unquote spells in the new set procedure who endures uh, mainly being the target i suppose food chain allure and painter etc might hurt enough that with that card on the loose or not yeah i don't think so um like painter plays a needle that you can get with a saga so if you have that you could bring it in the thing to ask yourself here is like when people like just imagine that besager is actually a naturalize how many times are these decks like using a ca- an actual counter spell on it? Like I like I could see them the food chain allure and sometimes using a force of will on it, but like not really. Uh, painter, you could pyroblast with a painter in play, but you usually fight through removal just by accepting it and you weld them back in and stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't see it really. Like if yeah. if you if you have a needle and you've seen like three or four besages in game two or game one, then fine. If it's good against you as well, you could do that. But I don't think we're going to see the card enough to be a, uh, an issue. I definitely agree. Uh, it, it's one of those things where you have to ask yourself, just because something can be stopped, should it even be stopped in the first place? Like like you mentioned, right, with Painter, yeah. you just let it happen, you grind through it. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to Allure, and I think it's really not something that is worth accounting for. Like, yeah, imagine- it's going to be annoying, but some of the times, depending on how you build your Allure, like, you might even just, like, get enough value out of it in response anyway. Yeah, absolutely agree. And then, like, is that the only thing you're stopping? Look, if they're playing a deck with the Pivot Needles, like, good against multiple things, like, if you really want to... If you're playing as lands, you might want to needle Thespian Stage or Wasteland in some spots and stuff. Then, cool. I Then you could bring it in. And then if you're about to combo, then you have the flexibility to name Besaju if you think that that's what they might have to answer your enchantment. But I don't think you want to be playing or bringing in a Pithy Needle because of that card. Yeah, yeah. definitely agree. Cool. I think... Oh, well, one hour and 40. <laughs> yeah, classic. You remember when our goal was to have like one hour, like sexy, crisp one hour episodes? <laughs> oh, yeah. You got some editing to do, buddy. Uh, yeah, but that's okay. A, a friend of mine has recently been catching up with the podcast and he was like, you know what? I actually I didn't, didn't start catching up with you guys because your episodes were almost like two hours all the time. I'm like, yeah. right, what? <laughs> oh, no. Actually, I mean, you've got some editing to do to get down to an hour then. Oh, oh, I... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding, I, I just had the weirdest idea of just like completely removing like either you or me from the cast and just putting it out there and seeing how people react but yeah that's uh, not gonna be a thing cool yeah um if you want to support the madness that is going on here something that helps us out a lot is leaving a review on apple podcasts we actually i think we haven't had a review in a long time uh and i was like i, I have this service that sends me a message and every time one pops up, pops up i'm like oh this is amazing thank you so much if you want to do that it not only makes me happy it actually like helps us get the word out there. Like when people go to Apple Podcasts and they ch- they're like, "Huh, legacy podcast." We might be one of the first ones to show up. So if you want to do that, that helps a lot. Other than that, you can join the Discord on Patreon.com/slash Everyday Eternal. Become part of the crew that sends us all these amazing messages, hangs out, and makes fun of Kalum for being molten down. Magic really teaches you <laughs> bad lingo. I wanted to say melted down. Like it's it's so weird, right? We we talk about and at least for me as a non-native speaker, Magic told me taught me so many english words i would have never have encountered in an english lesson like ever right mm-hmm. but Molten. then again like we say show and tell and meltdowns it's like <laughs> <laughs> magic lingo for non-magic players is so weird 
Yeah. yeah. Like it makes it, it literally actively makes you feel stupid. I remember <laughs> on planetmtg.de, which is, I guess it's still a thing, um, but f- for a long time it used to be one of the central magic sites in Germany. They literally once ran an article about how how it really doesn't make sense and how we should like properly articulate ourselves when talking about magic cards. Uh, but then again, a big downside is if you have these automated card grabbers in an article, you you literally have to say show and tell, and then like I don't know apostrophe edit show and tell. Otherwise, the automated card grabber is not gonna grab the right card in the article, so you can mouse over and get <laughs> the the image right. So it's 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 literally technologically baked into our heads that we we have to be that way. <laughs> nice, cool. And if you want to get hold of us on social media, uh, post all your favorite memes. Uh, you can find us on at EternalMTG. You can find me at it's shooting 23 and callum you are on at callum smith mtg awesome yeah shout outs to all the patrons that allow us to make this happen especially our eternal witness tier supporters tommy hinks testacular sebastian hollager gm jake and severin schwarzuber and our grizzle brand tier supporters who hopefully hopefully don't get stifled when they're trying to draw seven cards <laughs> victor benatzt but but scott monroe jeremy gates henrik kokutz tom hap joel granahead and Paragon Games in St. Louis. Thank you so much, everyone. Let us know what your favorite Italian breakfast, cereal, food, what have you is, and see you again next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everyone.